Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Yossi Sassy and the Oriel Rock Orchestra. Yossi Sassy has over 20 years' experience as a producer, arranger, composer, and musician. He has shared the stage with Metallica, Marty Friedman, and many more. This band has just released Preluvian, showing this band is just getting warmed up. And here is my interview with the man himself. Yeah, hello. I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Sure, sure. My pleasure. Sure. Thank you. I wanted to ask you. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the recording process and uh, how long did it take to put all this material together? Right. So, uh, Predeluvian, as well as the last uh, three albums all together, were actually recorded in. on the island of Santorini in Greece. Mm-hmm. And normally, um, and all in total, there are six uh, solo albums, meaning with the Yossi Sassi uh, ensemble with the Oriental Rock Orchestra. But, but normally the way it, 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 uh, the recording process goes is it changes uh, every few years now and then. Because uh, in the past, I used to uh, do a, a, a solid pre-production meaning I used to uh, uh, compose, arrange, and pre-record uh, mm-hmm. all the uh, layers of the music from the rhythm section down to the drum fill, uh, the bass lines, etc., including the harmonies on the strings and uh, flutes, etc. And I used to record them at home in like lower quality. Uh, and then I would present them to the performing musicians and they would actually record it pretty much as is. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but the recording process today in the last uh, o- almost over half a decade or so, I think in the last three albums, at least uh, six, seven years is uh, that I changed uh, my approach to it. And the way that Predeluvian was recorded, as well as the last couple of few others, is that mm-hmm. uh, I uh, I have the structure of the song I- I- at mind and uh, I'm composing the, the actual uh, a skeleton of the track, so to speak. And then uh, we fly out to Santorini, which is an isolated island in the Mediterranean. And uh, we uh, come off the plane to an isolated uh, villa with, uh, you know, in front of the sea, uh, mm-hmm. top-notch studios, Black Rock Studios. Uh, to be honest, we are like uh, the least famous artists to record on in those uh, luxury studios because, you know, uh, artists like Rihanna... Justin Bieber, Joe Bonomassa, uh, Iron Maiden's uh, Steve Harris, Bring Me the Horizon, etc., uh, etc. Et so all those are recording on those studios because they're considered like a, a sort of a luxury recording house in front of the ocean and in front of the Mediterranean. And so, so you you uh, come off the plane, you go into this uh, the house with. Uh, like 10 bedrooms and a top-notch studio with the analog console, etc. And, you know, the guys don't know, they have no idea what they're going to record or play. Sure. So we're, we're starting the morning easy, uh, tranquil, uh, eating some vegetables, tzatziki, the traditional uh, yogurt, uh, local yogurt, and uh, take a dip in the sea. And then I ask the guys, you know, so guys, 
do you want to learn some new music? So yeah, sure, you know, why not? It's almost noon. So, and then we take the acoustic instruments, the kanun, the acoustic guitars, the buzuki, and we, we uh, I, I, for the first time, I play them the songs. And then they uh, learn it. And after a while, I say, okay, let's uh, go inside and record it, shall we? And that's what we do. Um, and I think this brings uh, better results, much better results than uh, the more common way to record albums today, which is like the layered approach, the pre-production. And you bring musicians that, you know, uh, they have a, a parking alerts that they have to get the car out in a certain hour and they have to be back home by some 7, 8 p.m., whatever. Mm. And they're like stressed and they just came out of traffic to record uh, something artistic. And in this uh, uh, methodology, if you want to call it, or this approach, I eliminate all those distractions. And I, uh, I like to look at it as a, this creative process, uh, this recording process is uh, more like a musicians on vacation recording an album rather than uh, a group of musicians uh, going into a studio to record some predetermined uh, thing. And... Um, I think the results uh, sort of speak for themselves. Uh, Absolutely. We use no click. You know, you listen to the album, it doesn't sound, uh, in, you know, not too shabby, right? It's, and, mm -hmm. and there's no click whatsoever. We all, uh, except one track when we have the loop there in Architect of the Stars, uh, but all the rest are live. We play all the instruments also on that track are played live. So we, we look at each other, we have like a, 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 a sealed glass between us, but we see each other and we uh, react to each other in real time. That also makes it very hard to edit uh, any type of uh, errors or, uh, you know, mishaps or wrong notes later on. But, but I think it's it, it, when you're surrounded with such talented musicians as I'm fortunate enough to be uh, so around uh, the Oriental or Rock Orchestra musicians. So you can just count on the on the musicians to uh, do their magic and uh, to be able to, you know, you run the same thing five, six, seven, eight times till we get some solid take. And with that, I go back to Tel Aviv, to Jaffa, and uh, I mix the album, and, and that's about it. And uh, I wanted to ask you about a couple of tracks, a couple of my favorites. Um, one is Amaro's Fall and the other is Serious. Mm, cool, cool choices. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anything specific you wanted to ask about them or in general? like? Uh... Um, I wanted to ask uh, basically uh, how they came to you musically and um, how the melodies came to you as well. Right. So first, first off, regarding uh, Armaro's Fall. Um, mm. So this song uh, was composed uh, mutually uh, together with my uh, eldest uh, daughter, my, my daughter, Danielle. Um, and essentially, I had uh, this structure of the song. I felt it's uh, missing some parts. And uh, she heard me playing that in the, you know, in the garden. And as she tends to do, she came with her flute and she had some good ideas and she said, okay, I'll take it offline and I'll come back with some a, sort of a more uh, uh, full version, more uh, holistic version of the track. And she did. So, so the composition was sort of a mutual effort. And uh, when, we, uh, when we composed this song, 
I knew from early beginning that you know this this is a song that will really uh, benefit from having lyrics lyrics uh, uh, as as the main melody rather than a, an instrumental. And I, I always I strive to find those compositions that uh, in every album you know at least like one two tracks uh, that will uh, have the benefit of lyrics. Uh, you know, in order just to have them and balance the entire album. And uh, luckily enough, uh, I reached out to uh, Ross uh, Jennings, uh, vocalist for uh, Haken. Mm-hmm. And Ross is a friend and a, a, a very talented uh, vocalist. Uh, I don't know if you know his works, but uh, other Absolutely. than being, yeah, other than being Haken's uh, lead vocalist, he's he has his own solo project as well as a. Uh, he did that uh, great uh, tour with uh, Mike Portnoy's uh, Shattered Fortress. Um, and he's really a good friend. He's been here in Israel a couple of times. And uh, it's it's not the first time we collaborate, both live and the studio. I I had the, the honor to uh, be a guest at their shows. And, and, and he was a guest at mine. And we recorded uh, previously in uh, Illusion of Choice album. Uh, we had a song together called Reveal. And uh, this time, uh, I also addressed him. He was very happy to to get the the sketch, the track, and uh, he came back with the lyrics. Uh, uh, all I had to do is essentially uh, send him on a, a sort of a bibliography uh, to do some uh, light reading, as he likes to call it, uh, in a sort of a funny way, not so light, because I, I had him. I I sent him uh, to do some research about uh, a, a chapter six in Genesis and about the book of Enoch. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, this entire thing that has to do with the uh, the days antediluvian, pre-diluvian, the days before the biblical flood, um, uh, the uh, the giants that walked the earth, the sins of man. And uh, once he understood the concept of the album and where it goes, so uh, he came out with, with this terrific uh, lyrics. And, um, you know, from here, the, the chemistry that we have between us, the years-long chemistry just did its its own uh, course. Um, so that's regarding our mouse fall. Regarding Sirius, actually, that's funny because uh, I think all in all, uh, Sirius was uh, uh, probably the less, uh, uh, you know, baked uh, song in the album uh, when we came to the island. Because, you know, I recorded the 12 new tracks there and uh, Sirius was one of the last ones that I had a chance to work on. It was uh, only uh, ready uh, on the acoustic guitar. I only had these phrases. I knew I knew I'm going to do like this uh, six eights sort of uh, uh, triolas uh, kind of uh, rhythm. And I had this uh, catchy hook, you know, this. And... Uh, I think I, I just wrapped it up uh, really in the last uh, couple of days on the island. So just close to the end of the recordings, I said, guys, do you have strength to one more song? Because I didn't know if I will uh, do all 10 or 11 or 12 tracks. I, I came with like 14. And uh, Sirius was, was was the last one to be recorded. And uh, it came out very cool, I think. Uh, sort of a, a, in, in terms of the sonic experience, it takes me yeah. personally back to the... Uh, you know, uh, things that I used to do in Melting Clocks and uh, my uh, more guitar-oriented uh, albums. Uh, as you probably know, uh, 
some or maybe a bit or maybe more about my past with the orphan land and with my solo guitarist albums oh, I used to do a, yeah I, I used to do quite a lot of uh, electric guitar and soloing and with the years I do much less soloing uh, much less uh, guitar uh, shredding or uh, you know uh, guitar licks and but it was much fun to go back to those energies uh, and those are places I feel very comfortable and natural at you know grabbing the electric guitar mm-hmm. and you know just uh, getting a, a nice harmony around some cool uh, chords and uh, a nice rhythmic pattern and, and that's what it is it's it's just a very cool uh, rhythmic pattern and a nice melody around it and uh, uh, for me this type of songs you know it's uh, the easiest and and uh, most natural for me to to approach and and uh, record uh, I I could fill up full albums from that type of songs but uh and I did I think in a way yeah. in the past probably um yeah but but I like to I mean in general I love it that in this album I came back a bit to the electric guitar which I sort of neglected in the last uh, couple of albums before uh, when I put a bit emphasis on uh uh, traditional instruments, the bouzouki, etc. And uh, I think it's a bit more balanced towards the rock parts, the electric guitar parts. And I, I, I sort of like it, the way it came out. Sure. And one thing about the track, I can tell you from personal experience, when I first heard the album, I found myself humming that track all day long. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that it, it's, uh, you know, it's really... Uh, um, my wife call, calls it sort of a, a gift, you know. You know, it's she, she isn't always full of uh, compliments, uh, but uh, <laughs> but she tells me you sure have one gift to those sweet melodies, sweet licks that mm-hmm. are sort of uh, hummable or remember, remember, rememberable, you know, in a way that uh, she, uh, naturally she's one of the first people, or sometimes the first person to hear those when they are very early uh, on my acoustic guitar uh, at home. And uh, she, she knows by now to identify and, and t- she sort of tells me, you know, uh, this is going to be catchy. This is going to be great. Yeah, this is going to be uh, a great song, you know, in the very raw, <laughs> early yes. stage of that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> I also wanted to ask you, as far as recording, what was the hardest track for you to lay down? Um, it's a good question. I think uh, probably the hardest was uh, uh, probably getting uh, uh, Upart uh, the the way that I imagined it. You know, for every check, I have sort of a sort of a vision or uh, or this image in my head uh how how it uh, it can sound like uh, or uh, to what extent this musicianship can go and uh this song it's the third song upart which is a it's it's, a, it's actually a initials of a out of place artifact it's a it's a term coming from archaeology uh as it sounds out of place artifact is is an artifact that is not uh, dated correctly in the context that it has been found. And this song, this groove, you know. So it is, this groove is a bit foreign to the rest of the album in a way. Um, so that's why it's out of place. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, just getting this 
uh, groove as as uh, exact as I wanted to. I, I needed to have the guys listen to some references, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Bill Withers and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, go back to like <laughs> 70s funk, things like that and groove. Um, but then once they, they got the energy I was aiming for, uh, I think that uh, that's where it started to take off. Uh, but that does the, the only th- song I think I needed some reference uh, mm-hmm. to the vision I had for it. Um, but again, luckily for me, I am really blessed with uh, some of the world's finest musicians, to be honest. I just feel so privileged, you know, to be... Uh, I look sometimes around the room and I feel like I'm uh, the least, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, virtuoso musician in the room. Uh, I don't know where to look uh, around to. So, and that's a very good feeling uh, to have. Yeah. And uh, the artwork of the album is absolutely spectacular and immersive. I wanted to know if you could speak on the artwork and the artist that was involved. Sure. So the the artwork is uh, uh, essentially the concept and most of the work around it. the credit really has to go to uh, Amir, Amir Rosanes, which is uh, my uh, manager. And uh, Amir has uh, has a keen eye for uh, you know lots of things visually and in general. He has a good ear, good eye, catches some. He has really nice nice insights on a plethora of of, uh, of areas. And uh, he had this vision about uh, the the uh, cover. Uh, and I and I went with it. I, I had some other ideas in mind, but the first sketches that there there has been few artists involved in creating the um, the, the actual cover actually. So uh, there was Lisa and and then Sol, an artist from New York, uh, and uh, then there was some uh, touches in some engines that uh, kind of uh, uh, did the refinement on some parts of the picture. And then there are, uh, uh, you know, in the back cover that sort of intertwines with the front cover, there is uh, shots from the web uh, telescope uh, of uh, 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 nebulas, you know, a nebula. And um, so, so all this concept and to have the pyramid to represent the, uh, the old world and uh, the flood, the water coming and washing, and the asteroids coming as a as an imminent threat from the side, and uh, you know, we really just wanted to convey this feeling that there's nothing new under the sun, and we're just moving in circles, and in circles of uh, you know escalation, uh, balance, and uh, rebirth, uh, and they happen all the time. So the history just keeps repeating, and. Um, it just felt, you know, uh, the, the entire album felt like appropriate because, you know, everything happening, COVID, post-COVID, uh, Russia in Ukraine, a, a set of uh, global processes, uh, global uh, climate and, you know, the all these things really accumulated for me personally, uh, mentally. And, and uh, you know, I, I felt I have to somehow artistically exper- express them. And uh, when I went to... Um, to the book of Enoch, uh, Hanoch, book of Hanoch. So I, I, I found some explanations to what I felt, and this really connected well with uh, my early work, uh, more than twenty years ago, with Mabul, with Orphanland, with the uh, famous our famous album Mabul. 
uh, that uh, went out uh, on Century Media at the time, EMI. And, uh, you know, it's, it was just really a, a nice way to tie the past with the, with the present, looking into the future. And I think uh, Amir was, uh, you know, wise enough to tie this all, uh, all, all this concept that I just uh, briefly explained. He, he was wise enough to tie it into a, a visual concept. And uh, just just happy that, you know, after a few touches and few artists working on it, uh, we got to the results that you that you ha happily, I say you happily appreciate. So I'm very happy for that. And I'd like to also ask you to take me on a journey back in time. I wanted to ask you if you could speak on your musical development. At what age did your journey begin? Mm, so I... Um, Actually, uh, my first musical steps the, uh, were not so significant. Uh, at early age, I uh, played uh, the recorder, the you know the wooden flute in uh, at uh, elementary school, and uh, had some idea. Uh, I had some tries in the school choir, things like that. Uh, none of them really attached uh, to me that well. Uh, I, I had other other hobbies that uh, caught my attention. The music was a side thing until about, uh, I think, early adolescence, I think around 13 or so, was the first time I encounter, encountered the guitar. It was uh, uh, a, a nylon string, a classic guitar at my uncle's place. It was just laying there. And I, uh, at the time, I heard, you know, early Metallica stuff, uh, Iron Maiden, uh, somewhere in time came out and, and there was this riff there in Wasted Years that was like open E chord uh, mm -hmm. very easy riff you know this <laughs> sorry it's hard for me to sing it in the pitch but uh, so that riff was very easy on, on a single uh, string and I found myself uh, after you know 5-10 uh, minutes of uh, uh, playing around with the instruments and not really knowing how to play it, I found myself uh, playing that riff. Uh, this was really amazing for me that uh, how intuitive it, it came out. And uh, I asked my uncle to borrow the guitar for a couple of weeks. He got it back uh, maybe six months later. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the rest is history. You know, I uh, continued to uh, be self-taught on the instrument. That, yeah, that, that was a while back, right? We're talking about the 80s somewhere sure. uh, over like 35 years ago. And uh, ever since, me and the guitar are sort of inseparable. It's just a, an extension of my body. Um, I feel really a, a part of the instrument. And along that musical journey, what has been the best advice that has been given to you along the way? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if I can narrow it down to a single, one single advice because you know I I had the, really the honor and privilege to collaborate with uh, uh, Stephen Wilson and Steve Vai, uh, Marty Friedman. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just to name a few. If I begin to put the list here, it's uh, of this last uh, three and a half decades. Probably I'll, I'll miss some great people that I admire and and really appreciate. Uh, so I think from everybody, I I, uh, I take at least one or two things, tips, whether by something they told me or something that I saw them doing and uh, uh, took it into account and as an insight. 
but I would say uh, I've seen uh, how talent and uh, motivation interact. And I have to say that, you know, the, the ability to keep going is probably uh, stronger. This uh, inertia is stronger sometimes even from uh, being talented. Because, you know, you can be very talented on the instrument and you can be a great uh, uh, player. You can be a great uh, guitar player, drummer, whatever. But what makes you a musician and a, 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 what makes you from an aspiring musician to an in inspiring musician to others is really the uh, the journey the path that you make the uh, commitment the uh, to stick to the road even when it's not easy and uh, just to evolve all the time to be your own uh, self critic uh, and to always try to reach the next level to go beyond what you know about uh, music and the instruments uh, that you have. And uh, I, I think in the long run, uh, motivation triumphs talent in a way, because of course, ideally, you are both talented and motivated and, and uh, committed and motivated, right? That, yeah, that's absolutely. the idea. Yeah, but, but I've seen really tremendous musicians that uh, I wouldn't consider probably the world's most talented musicians doing amazing uh, careers and Uh, on the same uh, breath, I can tell you, I've seen some of the world's most talented musicians that, uh, you know, are, are still uh, totally anonymous and not known to known very, to a handful of people. And, and they're like mind blowing uh, on their instruments. And, and that's what makes a player to uh, a musician, to an inspiring musician. It's the fact to uh, be able to pursue this in the long run and always Uh, improve and aspire to improve all the time in every age and never to rest on, on you know what you already know and uh, try to reinvent yourself and to find your own sound you know that's that's like the the thing to absolutely to reach at, at a certain point you know if people know your sound just from hearing a song and they don't know it's you but they say hey, it sounds like I think that's that's where you hit the sweet spot in, uh, in a way yeah <laughs> and I wanted to ask you I mean you've seen so many changes in the music industry along your career how do you envision the production of music in the future well I think the action, the answer actually uh, it, it might differ between uh, genres right because I think pop uh, production in general uh, pop dance things like that Uh, I see one path where it's heading and uh, other genres in general, uh, they might be influenced by that, but not so heavily. So uh, in pop and, and its uh, derivative genres, uh, contemporary sort of music, um, there you see um, that uh, technology and uh, trends are really strong. So you see a lot of... Uh, technology-aided compositions, arrangements, uh, performance. Uh, even performance has become very technology-driven. Uh, I'm speaking about the use of computers in more than just the aspect of recording or, or audio manipulation. It's uh, sure. on, beyond the effects and uh, auto-tune, auto correcting uh, uh, vocals, etc. It's, it's way beyond that. Audio manipulation is, was just the beginning. And, and in general, I think 
I see it from the side for a few decades. It's, uh, uh, you know, are this love-hate relationship, right? Because sure. at one hand, you know, technology uh, benefited music so much. Uh, without that, we would be recording uh, very few albums today, like we used to do in the 60s, 70s, 80s, with all the gatekeepers and the labels and recording an album that used to cost so much. Sure. Uh, you needed a, a label and, and some uh, bank loans or whatever, A&R. Uh, so I'm very happy that today it became so uh, uh, and, and, and approachable and so uh, uh, that everybody in their own house can record amazing things. But at the same time, it brought us also a lot of uh, uh, sort of um, flattening uh, and uh, a lot of... Um, you know, uh, more of the same. A lot of things sound like a lot of things because when you don't record musicians uh, in a room as is with just the echo and the vibrato, the reverb, the, the microphone, uh, the, the sinus, you know, the, the, the actual uh, wave that splits in the, in, in the room. And instead of that, you're just copy-pasting uh, plugins and compressors uh, so you're making things sound like a lot of other things sound like. And yes. That, that really uh, flattens, uh, first of all, the emotions. And music is all about uh, escapism and emotions and letting you connect to yourself very quickly, your ups and lows and, and wherever associations you get from it. And uh, this, this flattening of, of uh, frequencies and emotions uh, makes music uh, sort of the... the you know, the, the backtrack of lives. And it really pushed music out of the being that said, you know, Zedgeist, how you say Zedgeist, the music used to define the spirit of times, you know, the culture. Sure. Uh, 50s were uh, defined by sort of music that they were all in, intertwined with geopolitical uh, and so social and uh, trends and uh, and human rights and so so much globalization etc. Also 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s with grunge etc. And and then once MP3 and technology invaded so much uh, into uh, music, uh, so the visual took over and and music became the background of some attempt to catch you visually. Uh, and uh, I think that that was. Uh, at the end of an era, in a way, and a rebirth of a new era, which is fine, you know. Mm. Uh, it, it is what it is. Um, but I think in, in pop, it, it really uh, suffers more from that fact. Uh, indie artists and a lot of other genres in jazz and, and fusions and uh, progressive, whatever, so many genres, uh, world music, etc., still enjoy uh, a bit more freedom and I hope this continues because uh, at the end of the day, it's, uh, uh, you know, you can ha have the algorithm, the machine, the computer to randomize stuff. Uh, but still, humans are the best randomizers in the world. Sure. It's, it's so great that we're imperfect and uh, full of flaws. And each and every one of us was, uh, you know, it, it had his own upbringing and experiences that we create unique versions of ourselves and it's very hard for computers to uh, get unique versions of things that they tend to mimic themselves into the same zeros and ones behind the scenes and 
I, I just uh, hope that we keep humanizing music as much as we can. I also wanted to ask you, uh, what's the best way to get a physical copy of the album and to get merchandise from you? So the uh, um, album for now, we just released it in a, a digipack, uh, meaning a CD format uh, and digital high quality, of course. Uh, so both of them are available either on Bandcamp, if you'd prefer, or directly from the official website on uh, www.yossisassi.com um, from the shop. So either both those two places are, are fine. And in addition, obviously, if you uh, in the website, you will find also other merchandise, right? In the shop, uh, like uh, T-shirts and even some notation uh, of some of the songs and uh, things like that. Um, but yeah, I would say that those are, are like the two main places. In addition, of course, to the streaming platforms, uh, you know, it's everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, etc. And lastly, I wanted to ask you, if you could give any message to your fans, what would that message be? Well, I would say, uh, you know, just uh, be kind. <laughs> I think we're entering sort of an era in, in, in it's a it's an uh, understood era in uh, in in human history because it's that part of the curve right it's uh, mm. the world the world goes in circles so does uh, human history and sociology and uh, this is a challenging place where it's sort of the us and them approach or uh, the extreme side of the pendulum is is uh, getting a bit more attention at some places globally and and it affects some local uh, more like uh, closely uh, closely related uh, disputes and and energies and i would say just take a deep breath and uh, in this world you know that is so full of uh, distractions and uh, you know clutter and uh, visual dis distractions etc just remember to breathe from time to time sure. uh, connect to your inner self find what what makes you feel uh, better and what doesn't and try to be kind to others uh, you know and surround yourself with good energies um, and uh, as, as always you know just uh, uh, enjoy music music is is a gift that uh, we, we were given and um uh, I just just hope that uh, I know people will never give up on music. Uh, I just hope that we will be wise enough to uh, let it continue to inspire us and be as diverse and, and unique as it, it can be and should be. Well, I wanted to thank you, my friend, for taking time to speak with me. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Bob. And, and sorry, I've talked so much and uh, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah thank you so much and thank you for the the great questions so, some of them were really quite good and interesting and uh, I really enjoyed it thank you so much well I try to bring the questions as a fan because I am a fan you know and uh, these are the questions I would want to know nah, that's amazing that thanks so much it's great to hear it yes well, thank you, my friend. You have a great rest of your day, and I hope we can talk again real soon.
Sure. Will do. And, and thanks so much. Hope so, too. Thank you All very right. much. Thank you. Take care, my friend. Ciao. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.